Awesome. Amen. So we have uh, Dr. Brown and Jeannie right over here. Lex, if you all want to visit with them about Freedom Prayer, talk to any other uh, prayer team people, all can tell you about that. And uh, praise God for God is still alive and doing miracles, changing people's lives and blessing them. Amen. Well, praise God. Get your Bibles out. And let me go over a few things we did last week and then see if I can finish this message today. Um, the, uh, I started a message last week called, He Brought Us Out So He Can Bring Us In. And I used the scripture in Deuteronomy 6.23. It says, He brought us out from there that He might bring us in to give us the land which He swore to our fathers. God doesn't want you just, as He said, just even the testimony Bonnie had, he doesn't want to just bring you out. He doesn't want to set you free and then leave you there. He wants to do something with the freedom you've got. God wants to bring you out of the darkness and take you into the light. He wants to bring you out of bondage, but he wants to give you freedom so that you can bless other people. Amen? That's the whole principle of the kingdom of God. God always wants to take you out of something, but he wants to give you something else. Look at the person beside you and say, God wants to give you something. So he wanted a Colossians 1.13, he wanted to bring us out of darkness, out of the kingdom of darkness, to take us into the kingdom of his dear son, right? He wants to set you free from the bondage of the, the, the enemy of the world and take you into the liberty of the kingdom of God. That's what happens. And so what happens to a lot of Christians, I, I, I hope this doesn't offend anybody, but I thought of this, you know, uh, Pastor Lex uh, preached uh, uh, the night on Wednesday night about... Uh, uh, you'd have to go listen to the message. I don't know what the title of the message was, but basically he got on to all of us for being overweight. And so I told him, I said, I'm glad he preached the message. Not me. He said it. I didn't. But it made me start thinking about something, start thinking about all of us as Christians. You know, if you went to the doctor and you were, you were extremely overweight and the doctor said, look, you know, you've got high blood pressure, you've got cholesterol problems, you've got this, you've got that problems, all these problems are in your life. And this is the answer. This is what you need to do. You need to go, you know, you need to lose this weight. You need to, you know, make some adjustments in your diet. You need to do this. And so you determine, okay, well, if that's what the doctor said I need to do, if I'm going to live, then you went and you hired you a, uh, what do you call them, a, a physical therapist or a physical uh, trainer. And you went to a gym and you walked into the gym and, you know, here you are standing there in all your glory and you tell the, the, the trainer, thank you, help me along here. He uh, had the trainer, he said to the trainer, look, the doctor said I need to lose 100 pounds and, and I need to do this and I need to change my diet. And the, and the trainer said, you know, not a problem, not an issue. We've got it right here. Here's the plan. Here's what you need to do. You need to change. You need to go on this Mediterranean diet. You need to do this, whatever, like this. We're going to do that. You're going to exercise. We're going to do this three times a week. Da, 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 da. And he told you all the things. And then you said, okay, I want those results, but I don't want to do any of the work. I don't want to change anything then what would that trainer have to say? Well, I, I can't help you. I mean, no, listen, I want you to help me. Well, okay, this is what I want you to do. No, I don't want to do any of the work. You see, that's what a lot of Christians do. They go and they get taken out of the kingdom of darkness and they say, oh, this life I'm living is not working. This thoughts I'm having are not good. This, this process I'm doing, it's not working right. And God says, hey, and they turn to God and he brings them out of the kingdom of darkness. And then he gets them over here in the kingdom of light. And he said, okay, let me help you. I got the Holy Spirit here. And I'm going to train you and teach you and teach you to walk in the Spirit and teach you the things of God. And you're like, well, now, 
I don't know about that. You mean you want me to read the Bible? You mean you want me to learn Scripture? I mean, you want me to do good? I mean, you want me to love my neighbor? I mean, come on. You're stretching it. Hello? And so then Christians stalemate because they try to live in this spot. This void really is what it is because they didn't, they didn't really come out and they didn't really go in. They're just in this void. Okay? So God wants to deliver us out so he can take us in. Amen? Okay, so I gave you this last week, and I just want to touch it here, that there's a few things that you've got to learn. The first thing is you've got to learn, if you're going to go learn about the kingdom of God, is you've got to learn the nature of God. Now, I want to tell you something, folks, this morning. You may, you may disagree with me, but I'm telling you, you're wrong. Because God is absolutely good. I don't care what, res- what, what you've seen. I don't care what happened to your, your aunts, your uncles, your this, your that, or the traumas that's happened in life, and it looks like God did something bad. God never, never does anything bad. I'm telling you. James 1.13 said God's a good God. That God wants to bless you. God wants to give you. God wants to enlarge you. God wants to pour his love upon you. God does not put sickness on you. God does not cause car wrecks. God does not try to kill you at every turn. God doesn't send bad things your way to see how you're going to do. I don't care how many preachers. They're out there. One of the worst books I've ever uh, uh, seen in life. And I couldn't even bring myself to read it. But the title says, When God Says No. And I just always hated that title because I don't believe God says no. I believe God says, are you sure you want to do that? That's not really the best because God's for your good, just like you were, just like I would treat my child. If Joseph came up to me and Darcy came up to me and they said something about, hey, dad, I'm going to go do this. I, I might say, mm, that, that's, probably not the, that's probably not the best thing. Don't do that, because I'm a father. I've already been down that road. I can already see the result of it. But God's for you. And if you don't understand the nature of God, if you think God may be putting cancer on you to teach you a lesson or that you've, you've done such a horrible thing that God's trying to kill you, if you have that thinking in you, you do not understand the nature of God, and you're not going to be successful in the kingdom of God walking in His ways. Same thing with the person going to the personal trainer. If you think the personal trainer is just trying to kill you, which sometimes I think that. I don't understand what it is in the body and the mind that I can exercise, and when I do, I feel better. But then when I go to exercise, something inside of me says, oh, God, how long, much longer we got to do this? Oh, what are we going to And I'm like, you stupid body, you just felt good a while ago from exercising, and now you're over here arguing about the exercising, or you're looking at the time. Oh, gosh, I hope the time goes faster. It's like in one deal that my wife and I do, the, the guy talks a lot. And she said, I just hate it when the guy talks. I just hate it when he's always talking. He's always talking. And I'm like, I like it. And she said, why? I said, because I'm not doing anything. And I'm still getting credit for the time. <laughs> That's terrible. But my body thinks like that. Even though when I exercise, I feel better. And I should just want to go do it every day. There's something that's nuts in us, human beings, okay? 
Like I said, it's always you sit there and you're trying to lose weight. And so you, you, you know the ice cream's in the fridge and then you, you fight it and fight it and fight it. And then your body says, oh, this is not going to be that big a deal. Just go eat a little bit. It's not that big a deal. Go just a few. You just take it. You, tomorrow you'll, you'll do better. And you go do it. And then your body says, you're such a swine. I can't believe you ate that. You're terrible. You have no self-control. It's ridiculous. It's this war we fight in. But I want you to understand something. None of that is God. That is all of us. God is for you. He loves you. He has nothing but good for you. You have to go back and listen to all those scriptures. I'm not going to get through today. There, God doesn't even cast a shadow, folks. God is so good, he doesn't even cast a shadow. He is solid light, and in him there is no variable. It's a shadow of turning. God doesn't cast a shadow. You can't get on God's bad side. He's only good. Amen? So you can go back next week, last week, and listen to the message, but let me go on. The second point was is that you have to know what you've been delivered from. If, you've got a, if you're coming out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light, if you're coming from what, where you were to where you are now, you've got to understand what you've been redeemed from. Okay? You've got to understand what you've been redeemed from. In Isaiah 53, 4, he says, Surely he has borne our griefs, he's carried our sorrows, and we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was... Wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Gives us an idea right there, generally, what we've been redeemed from. Psalms 103, 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Look, listen to his benefits. Forgiving iniquities, who heals my diseases, who redeems my life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. That's what he gives you an idea right there of what you have come out of. That was the old life. That was living in darkness. That was living in the kingdom of, 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 of the devil and coming over into the kingdom of God. That's what you've been redeemed from. So if you've been redeemed from that, well, then none of that should be in your life. Hello? But what happens to us is the enemy comes to us. He whispers to us. He whispers in our ear that we deserve it. We're, we're, that's what happens. And we live in a fallen world. And you've got to understand something. The enemy is always going to be whispering to you, trying to get you to give up what rights and privileges are yours. He's always going to be whispering in your ear, trying to tell you you're not redeemed from that. God's not going to forgive that sin. Well, God may forgive you, but nobody else will forgive you. He's always going to be whispering in your ear and telling you lies because that's what he is. He's the father of lies. That's what he does. That's what he does best. What the devil does best is lie. Hello? Because what we don't understand is we're in a war. And we're walking in this war, in this world, the whole time. And the enemy is trying to gain advantage over you. One of, the, one of the, the, the tactics of war is propaganda. And many times they'd fly over and they'd drop leaflets and, and, and the leaflets would say, uh, everyone hates you, you are defeated, your, your country doesn't love you, nobody's taking care of you. This propaganda so that the soldiers would read it and then they would say, you know, maybe that's right. Well, that is just an on-print lie to try to get those people to give up. Do you think that the enemy cared about the benefit of the soldiers? 
Do you think that the enemy was standing over there saying, you know, I just feel so bad about this war and we really don't want to hurt those men. And let's just send some propaganda flyers over there so that they'll maybe give up. That's never been the thought. The thought is in wars that they're going to kill one another. The same thing with the enemy. He doesn't really care about you. He just wants you to give up. He wants you to give up and not serve God so that God won't bless you. Do you hear what I'm saying? He just wants you to quit standing in faith, quit praying, quit believing, so that then he can have satisfaction that you don't receive what Jesus redeemed you from. That's all it is. So that takes me to point three, which I didn't touch last week. So here's point three. Point three is we've got to learn to live a life in fellowship with the Father. Listen, through covenant with Jesus. We don't understand covenant. We understand contracts, but all of us know today contracts can be broken and contracts aren't worth what paper they're printed on, okay? Covenant is not based on your feelings or your emotions. Covenant is based on terms. And a covenant with God is a powerful thing based on the terms. Now, the terms this, if you confess with your mouth and then believe in your heart, and Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, then you're forgiven of all your sins. You enter into the kingdom of heaven and all becomes yours. But there's a term to it. And your life belongs to him. A lot of times we don't like to read the fine print. You know, we don't like to read the fine print. The, on the out, looking at the outside of it, it looks like, woo, I get everything. But the little fine print on the bottom says, and, but I need, I need you. I want you. I want you to, to worship me, and I want you to love me, and I want you to grow, and I want you to be my hands and my feet on this earth, and I want you to tell others about me, and I want you. There's things that you have to do, okay? But we've got to learn to live in fellowship with God, but based upon covenant, not emotions. Because I want to tell you something, you know, uh, there's some Sundays I wouldn't come to church if I was living by emotions or by feelings. As a preacher, I'd just stay home. My wife would be in there saying, you've got to go to church. You're the preacher. I said, I don't feel like it. I don't want to. You can't live a Christian life based on feelings and emotions. You have to live a Christian life based on truth and covenant. Okay? So go to 1 John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1, and let me show you this. 1 John 1, 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifest, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifest to us. That which we have seen and we have heard, we declare to you that we also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowships with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. These things are right to you that your joy may be full. John's trying to say, look, now that you've entered in, God took you out and you've entered in. Now you've entered in this place that I want you to understand you need to have fellowship with God. Now that, that just, that's mind-blowing. Okay, that's mind-blowing that 
One day, you were lost and undone in, in this world. And then you, your heart was touched and you confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then, boom, you entered into the kingdom of God. And then, whoo, God wants to have fellowship with you. Because, see, in this world, we don't do that. This world's all set about by, well, your prestige and where you came from and what you know and how you're doing and what circles you travel in. And so you, you, your, your entrance into a group, you know, may be slow in growing and developing a relationship until you finally get where you're comfortable in the group. But in the kingdom of God, you jump in. The Bible says that whenever, when one person gets saved, all of heaven rejoices. Right? Well, there's an innumerable multitude of angels. And an innumerable means you can't number them. There's so many. You can't count them. Plus the saints in heaven. And everybody rejoices when one person gets saved. So they throw quite the party. Are y'all with me? So if all of heaven is going to rejoice that a person gets saved, well, you don't think that they're rejoicing because now you're in, you're in the in crowd, you're in, you're in grace, you're standing in front of God, and now there can be fellowship and a relationship? That all of heaven shouts for glory. See, God is right there. What the devil wants to do is the devil wants to whisper in our ear and say, you're not worthy to talk to the Father. You're not worthy to go before him. You're not worthy to, to be there. Listen, folks, it happens to everybody. You never get to a place. Me, myself, the enemy will come and whisper in my ear. I say, well, you know, that's, you know, no sense preaching that message. Don't do that. And not until you learn the tactics of warfare and understand the enemy, it, that it is the enemy, and acknowledge that it's the enemy, that it is not truth. Myself. I'm telling you, I'm just trying to put myself out there so you understand there's no place you arrive that, oh, pastor never has a bad thought. Pastor has some bad thoughts. And the enemy can whisper in my ear and make me doubt that God's going to perform what God said he'd perform. Okay? But you know what I've learned? Is this word fellowship. When he says, yeah, fellowship together, it's the word koinonia. And it's a word that we throw around a lot. In, 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 in circles, in religious circles, but what koinonia means, it really means partnership. It means participation. It means communion. That's what koinonia, true koinonia is. You, in other words, koinonia is not sitting as a spectator. It's being a partner and a participator and having communion. That's what koinonia means. So he says God doesn't want to just, God just doesn't want you to come into his presence and say, you know, Worship the great and powerful laws. God wants to have a partnership with you. He wants to be working with you. He wants to have communion with you. He wants to work in you, through you, to other people, to reaching out, to establishing the kingdom of God. You've got to be a participator. Well, if the enemy's lying to you the whole time, listen to me, you're not going to be successful. I don't play golf. I hate golf. Golf's terrible games. Game of that brings out wickedness within me. Golf is two things that will bring out the devil in me quicker than anything. Playing golf and, and, and trying to start a lawnmower. 
Because what happens to me in playing golf is I get down there, I get all ready, I get all set up, I feel pretty good, the stance feels good, I'm listening to my guys are coaching me, everything like that, and then about the time I start to pull back a little bit, there's a little voice in my head that says, you're going to shank it. You're going to miss it. You're going to duff it. You're not going to hit it. And I had to stop. Oh, man, because I guarantee if I swing, I'm going to. I'm going to miss it. I'm going to do exactly what that little thought said in my head and to overcome that battle, and it's just not worth it. And then when I do hit it, and it does do what I said, see, then the thoughts just say, I told you you're going to do that. And I said, shut up. And so it's this mind game with me. I don't like it. I don't need it. Okay? Well, if your Christian life is like that with God, oh, he doesn't really want to talk to you. You're not important. He knows what you did. You're a sinner. You can, that's going off in your head the whole time. God's wanting you to be a partner, a participator, and have communion with him in Koinonia Fellowship. You're not going to enter in because you haven't shut the voice of the enemy up in your head. John goes on and he says in verse 6, And we shall say that we have fellowship with him, and we walk in darkness, who we lie and do not practice the truth. He said, look, if you say you're having fellowship with God, but you continue to walk in darkness, you're lying. Now, that doesn't mean that you... Don't make mistakes, but what it means is, is that if you just give up and won't participate, you won't try. That person I talked about going to the personal trainer, if they won't try, they're never going to have any success. Okay? They're never going to have any success. You don't have to go out and start running marathons. You maybe just need to walk. And you can slow walk. You know, I got into a deal of, of walking here a few years ago. And then I, I read an article that said that, uh, I think it, it, it was saying that if you, if you don't walk at least under a 15-minute mile, you're not really doing any good. And so I tried walking two miles and doing a 15-minute mile, a stand under a 15-minute mile. Man, I like wore my hips out. I mean, my legs are short. I mean, I was hoofing. I was almost having to jog run to do this. And then, it, then I thought to myself, if I didn't make it, the thought came to me, well, you didn't do any good. No, wait a minute. I did better than if I'd have sat at the house and ate potato chips. So let's get it right, folks. I mean, don't tell me I didn't do anything. I didn't help myself one bit. And so what I'm telling you today is, is that we give up so much and we quit when do something, even if it's the smallest little thing. The plan, reading the plan, which this week's plan is Ephesians chapter 1. One chapter in seven days of the Bible is all I'm asking. One chapter in seven days to read one chapter in seven days as a church. We're all reading Ephesians chapter 1 this week. Read it. You did something. If you read however many, I don't know how many verses are in the chapter, but if you read just divided them up and read six or eight, Verses every day. You did something. Oh, you may not be the greatest theologian in the world, and it may take you a while to get through the Bible like that, but bless God, you did something. And don't let the enemy talk you out of it. You know, it may not be making a 15-minute mile, but bless God, you're at least up off your couch doing something. You see, sometimes you got to pat yourself on the back for a little thing. Oh, okay, so you didn't enter the marathon and come in first. Okay? He goes on and says, but if you walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us of all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth's not in us. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteous. 
If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And listen to me. There's a reset button. It's called repent. You break your fellowship with God because you mess up and do something wrong. Repent. Everybody say, well, that's cheap grace. It's better than not doing anything. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Don't say, well, there's no sense. I mean, I'm probably going to do it again, so I might as well not repent. No! Repent. Say, Father, I'm sorry. I, I don't know why I did that. I did it. Forgive me. Let your sins be washed and cleansed so you can be right back into fellowship because you're not going to grow in Christ unless you have fellowship with the Father. Have fellowship with Jesus. Have fellowship with the Holy Ghost unless you have fellowship. Now, that doesn't mean you have to get all the candles and light them. You have to get you a kneeler. You have to get you this certain room with all the music and all the stuff going on. No, it means like maybe when you're driving down the road to work, you might have to stop and talk to God, turn your radio off, quit listening to the, the news and, or you know whatever you're listening to and just turn it off and, 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 and talk to God as you drive down the road. You know, Lord, I don't understand all things, but I thank you that you know, your word says that you'd help me to understand all things. So I want to understand all things. Maybe those times like that, folks, I've had some of the greatest experiences with God driving down the road. But you've got to start. You've got to understand that God's for you, that he wants to have fellowship with you. He wants that fellowship. He wants your participation. He wants your partnership. He wants you to have communion with him. So then this brings me to the, to, to the last one. Is that we, got, we must learn to change our thinking and confession and learn to think and talk like Jesus. We have to learn to walk in the light. Okay? You're, listen, you may want to write this down. Your confession, it imprisons us or it sets us free. Your confession what comes out of your mouth. If you walk around all day long saying, man, I'm an idiot. God couldn't love me. I'll never have success. Then, folks, that's what you're going to believe. That's what you're going to walk in. That's what you're going to, to live out. And that's what you're going to have as an a, uh, exhibit to all the world. But if you walk along and say, man, man, I'm a sinner saved. I live in grace. Jesus washes my sins away. His blood cleanses me. I can have fellowship with the Father. Father, I want to have fellowship. You get these things coming out of your mouth, your life's going to begin to change because you're going to start to have fellowship with God. Now, I want to show you how simple it is, okay? I'm going to go kind of fast here because I want to get through. Um, Romans 12, chapter 1, or Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. If you went to work for a company, and a company was uh, making a certain product a certain way, and you worked at that company for 30 years, and you left the company then, you retired, you would have a mindset of how that company operated, how they wanted to do production, and what they wanted turned out. You would have that mindset in you. You got it because you entered into transforming your thinking to think like they think. Am I right? And so if you went to work for another company, and the other company said, okay, well, we do it this way. And if you said, well, wait a minute, you know, I've worked for this other company for 30 years, and this is the way we did it, and they're a successful company, and so you really need to do it that way. And they said, we don't do it that way. We do it this way. Then you got a choice. Either you're 
can't work for them or you're going to change your way of thinking. Am I right? When you got transferred out of the kingdom of darkness, you had a way of thinking. And when you get transferred over into the kingdom of God, there's another way of thinking. And you've got to get hold of that way of thinking. And the only way you can get hold of that way of thinking is to know what the Word of God says. There's no other way around it. There's a few things in the Bible that, you know, even still to this day really shock me. Like Jesus, the other day I was reading the story where he prays for the uh, blind and mute man. He spits in his eyes and spits on his tongue. That's different. That is just different. And all I can say, if you believe God ever tells you to do that to somebody, somebody better, they better have some eyes open and some mouth going. Right? You better see some results. That's just different. It's different that you send the disciples on and then you catch up with them walking on the water. It's different that you run out of wine and your thinking is, just bring me some water and I'll turn it into wine. All of us would say, well, who's open at this hour and how can we go buy some? Right? There's a different way of thinking in the kingdom, like loving your neighbors, blessing your enemies. Those are different ways of thinking. God has different ways of thinking. And we have to learn his ways of thinking. And they usually don't fit with our natural ways of doing things. But what the whole point is, Jesus wants to help you win the war. The war that's raging, going on, trying to trip you up at all times by whispering in your ear. He wants you to, he wants to win the war, you to win the war. And he knows the only way you can do it is through his secret weapon called what comes out of your mouth, your confession. Now, I mentioned this last week, but it bears repeating. The other day when I was in Guatemala, I was just sitting out on the porch and drinking a cup of coffee and praying, and, and it just, just popped in my heart. Jesus remembers the cross. And I started to just question the Lord about it. I said, what do you mean? And it became very aware to me that I never had really thought about this, but when Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God in heaven, he remembers the cross and what he went through for you and I. He remembers. It's not like he just went to heaven and forgot about the pain of the nails, the pain of the scourging, the pain of the spear in his side. It's not like he just forgot about that. So every time you pray, every time you come to God, every time you're talking to him, every time you come and say, Jesus, I, 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 you know, I, I, I need some help here or whatever, he's looking at the price he paid for you, remembering the pain that he went through for you, and that's how much he wants you delivered. He paid a very high price for you and I. And he remembers it. So the scripture, Hebrews 4.14, says, Seeing then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne room of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. It says, we have a high priest that can sympathize. How can he sympathize? Because he was here with us. He was here on this earth. He knows what it's like living on this earth. He knows what it's like living under the, the curse of the world. He knows what it's like to go to the cross for you and I. 
Folks, I'm telling you, you have great, great favor at the right hand of the throne of God called Jesus, who paid a very high price for you and who wants to see you walk in victory, who wants to see you win the war. And all he's looking for out of you is, will you participate? Will you participate? Will you change the way that you talk? Will you change the way that you believe? Will you lay your heart down and your life down before the truth of the Word of God and be willing to change? Will you be a participator? Will you be able to put one foot in front of the other and start out on this journey that you've been brought out of and placed in and start out and say, okay, Lord, I'm not very good on reading my Bible. Uh, help me today to read. Help me today just to follow the plan. Help me today to just be aware of when the enemy's whispering in my ear a lie that I will speak forth the truth. I got a whole bunch more of this stuff on confession. I'll probably have to do this again next week, but listen to me. I just want to end it right here. Are you going to be a participator? That's what you have to ask yourself. Are you going to be a participator? Are you going to be willing to say, I want to have fellowship with God. Do I want to go forth? Am I going to do what I can to go forward? If it's the starting out in a nice, slow walk, if it's starting out in like a stroll, don't even say to your wife, let's go exercise. Just say to your wife, let's take a nice evening stroll got to start somewhere. You say, let's take a time. Let's take a time. I, I never forget it. When I was in uh, Future Farmers of America, we went to a, a convention one year, and uh, on the, they gave us the agenda. I doubt it's on there now, but this was, you know, 1975, 6. And it said, morning vespers. And I looked at that thing, and I thought, so I asked the ag teacher, I said, what is this we're supposed to go to? Morning Vespers? I've never heard of this word, Vespers. What's morning Vespers? And he said, well, that's morning devotion and prayer. I was like, really? Never heard that. It stuck with me my whole life. And so I even jokingly now sometimes tell my wife, let's have morning Vespers. That stuck with me for that word from then all the whole time, about that you need to pray in the morning. That one thing written on there that I didn't know what it was, that I questioned what it was, that somebody said to me what it was, stuck with me as a teenage boy all through life that when you ought to get up in the morning and pray at a FFA convention. See, God can use all kinds of things to prompt you and push you along in life. What I'm saying to you is start out. You say, well, let's have morning prayer if it lasts a minute. Oh, glory to God. If, you didn't do, if that was a minute longer than you did yesterday, glory. You went on a stroll. To have fellowship with God. The last thing I'll leave you with is remember, when, when uh, Adam and Eve were in the garden and the fall took place, the Bible says that God came into the garden that evening and he started calling for Adam. He started calling for him. And I just want you to know, God's calling for you. He's wanting to have participation. He's wanting you to commune and fellowship with him. He's in the garden calling you every morning, every day. He's calling your name. He didn't forget you. He didn't forget you. And if you think that he has, or you think that he's forsaken you, or you think that he's 
lied to you or you think he didn't do what you said you should do, he should do, then you know what? You heard a lie. Because God is absolutely good. Amen? Amen. Well, put your Bibles up. And stand to your feet if you would. Can I have my prayer team come down, please? And Laura, come up here and play something. I don't know what life has dealt you. I don't know what's going on in life, but I want to tell you something. We've got a prayer team up here. We want to pray for you. We want to believe God for miracles. If you just need to, maybe, maybe you've believed a lie and you want to just pray about it, we're here for you. But if you're in here today and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, you've never made the first step of having fellowship, well then, I want to tell you something, that's where it starts. Asking Jesus to come into your life. If you're out there listening or watching the broadcast today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, right there, stop where you are and just call on him and say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood. Make me new. I want to live with you. He will. He'll touch you right wherever you are. If you're in here, we've got our prayer team here. I challenge you, don't anybody walk out of this building if you're not sure that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. You're not sure if you died, you'd go to heaven. If there's any questions you've got, come talk to us. Pray with us. I'm not going to get you to raise your hands or try to, you know, manipulate you any way to get you up here. You just need to just don't walk out that door. Look at the person beside you and say, do you know Jesus? If you're not sure, then take that person by the hand and bring them down here and we'll pray with you. But folks, I want you to know God loves you. He wants you to win the war in your life. He's there for you. No matter how big the enemy seems like he's developed some kind of mass weapon of destruction to destroy you I want to tell you something God in one word can make it all go away but you got to have fellowship with him to hear that word so take the hand of the person beside you and let me pray over you and remember today's dinner on the grounds we're all over here you're all welcome to come and have fellowship with us and, and eat together And I encourage you just to make a new friend today. But let me pray for you. Father, right now, I just pray over this congregation. I ask you, Lord God, to bless them. Whatever they're going through in life, whatever trials they may be facing, Lord, whatever enemies may have risen up, I just declare that today, Lord, you speak a word into their life that sets them free. You speak a word into their life that sets them free. That, Lord, today people take joy and take strength in knowing that you want to have fellowship with us. So, Lord, put your good hand upon them and bless them. Lord, bless all this time that we have together, fellowshipping together today. And just bless this this. this fellowship that we have here at Living Waters with you. And Lord, we just give you praise for it. We thank you for blessing all the food today, blessing all the hands that prepared it. And Lord, we just thank you so much for everything you've done in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise. Amen.
Church, we're here to pray for you if you need to. God bless you. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Links in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you, and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.